Hello and welcome to the Full of Beans podcast, hosted by myself, Hannah Hickenbotham. Throughout these podcast episodes, we will speak to a range of individuals about their experience of eating disorders with the aim of increasing awareness and understanding whilst reducing stigma and isolation. Please note that the topics discussed in this podcast may be triggering for some individuals, so tread lightly, check in with yourself and reflect on these conversations. Today I'm joined by Lucy House. Lucy is a registered mental health nurse who has personal experience of an eating disorder. Following on from her personal experience, Lucy decided to train as a registered mental health nurse and joins us today to discuss her experience of an eating disorder and her work, including the challenges and hopes for the future. Hello Lucy. Hi. How are you doing? I'm good, I'm good. Thank you so much for having me on uh, full of beans. I've been an avid listener for a while. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. I'm so glad. I love it when people come on and they're like, oh yeah, I listen to podcasts all the time because you know that it's just going to be like a very casual chat rather than like a formal yeah. interview. And it's really nice that you just already have a feel for the podcast. Yeah. So thank yeah. you for supporting. No, that's fine. Thank you. Thank you for making yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. actually um, what we're recording this on the 27th of February. So 28 days in February, two days. Oh my God, it's a birthday on Wednesday. Oh, really? I've not even thought about it. Yeah, it's his <laughs> second birthday. Oh gosh, I best do something. Best that's like you have two birthdays, like your own birthday and this birthday. That's, that's That is true. That's well, good. I am not going to lie. My birthday was in January, the end of January. Oh. Um, and I'd organised this party. I absolutely love organising parties and like mm-hmm. getting everybody together. And I'd organised this party. And my plan was to have said party in a gazebo in the garden. Mm. But this is like the depths of January, like the end of, of January. Um, so I have cancelled it. And my partner's birthday is in July. So I'm like, okay, well, we'll, we'll do like a joint birthday party. Nice. But everybody knows it's my birthday party so yeah you take over yeah I'm having a second birthday party (laughs) absolutely yeah you own that absolutely yeah yeah I think anybody born in like the cold months deserves a second birthday in January it's so much better having a warm birthday because you can be outside it must be hard in January having your birthday I mean you've just had Christmas Mm -hmm. so it's like hmm you know mine's quite good being the end of Jan because people start to come out of that like January blues because it's it's they've probably been paid by then um January's nearly over but they're still doing sober January um oh okay so yeah although no none of my friends did this Um, year they were were, they've done it by uh by my uh, birthday good good yeah yeah no yeah no this year you've got the birthday of the podcast you've got your second birthday later on in the year so it's gonna be good (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> anyway um, uh whilst I ramble on about birthdays <laughs> um so I'm really interested to hear about your role I've, I've worked with um mental health nurses in the past but I think a lot of people don't really know what the role of a mental health nurse is so I guess yeah. to start with do you want to give an overview of what a mental health nurse does in general and then later on we can go into more specifics with eating disorders yeah yeah sure so so a mental health nurse in general can have um, many, many different roles really within the role, depending on what environment you're in. So you've got like inpatient, community, um, 
even working remotely, you know, the, these days nurses can do far more than just being on a ward. Um, but I would say that the day-to-day life of a nurse is basically making sure that the patients are safe and well in whatever capacity that is, whether that be visiting them at home or on a ward. So, you know, your day-to-day as a nurse will be checking physical observations, um, creating care plans for them, individual needs, if there's any specific needs for that patient, um, talking to them as, as often as you can, uh, as a nurse, you are very, very busy. So, um, you know, having that one-to-one contact time with patients is really valuable. And, and unfortunately, it's not um, it's not done as, as often as I would like to anyway. Um, but, but yeah, the, 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 the bottom line is just making sure that patients are safe and um, their needs are being met um, and what, whatever those needs are, everyone's individual. But that, that's my um that's my like foundation you know where, where, wherever i work as a nurse i i always make sure that right look at each patient on an individual basis are their needs being met today you know whatever their needs are you reading through care plans you're always risk assessing as well that's a big part of nursing as well risk assessing um i always say that everything's a risk really in 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 a in a medical environment, um, everything's a risk. You're constantly risk assessing, so it's updating those, um, and yeah, just just doing a lot of evaluating all the time. You've got as a nurse, you've got to really multitask. You've got to be, um, you know, you, you're doing like notes, but at the same time, you're talking to patients. You, you're liaising with other other healthcare um, specialists, doctors, other nurses, occupational therapists, CBT therapists. Um, family members as well so you've got a lot of communication going on as a nurse um so you're literally doing everything basically (laughs) anything (laughs) under the sun you can think of it's it's in it's in there yeah yeah Yeah. wonder humans i think is basically what is a registered mental health nurse a wonder human um (laughs) yeah i mean it sounds exactly like you said you're getting involved in everything um and that must be so important for for you to have really good relationships with your patients um yeah. in order to be able to i i i'm sure we'll come on to this later but i did my master's dissertation on looking at mm. the role of a registered mental health uh, sorry a pediatric nurse yeah. um in treating somebody with an eating disorder and they said that one of the most vital things they found in their role was being that sort of communication between the family and the patient yeah. and the doctor because sometimes the doctor might you know use language that maybe the patient's not familiar with whereas the nurse because of that therapeutic relationship that's developed you know because of all the you know checking the um yeah the measures and things like that and doing all the care plans they've got that relationship so they they can almost be that person to yeah be the soundboard for their worries but also tell them what's going on as well so uh, yeah, yeah it sounds such a vital role yeah, and, and also vice versa to that. Um, sometimes, mm. like the patient, if they want to, um, if they want to speak to the doctor or whatnot, sometimes it's not possible um, for the patient to just do that. So again, the nurse is kind of like the go-between in between that as well. Mm. So you're having to really sort of listen to the patient's needs, but also listen to the doctor's needs, and just be that person that's got a relationship with both of them. Um, so yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and so. 
when when it comes to eating disorders specifically, are there sort of specific things that are, I guess, unique to somebody with an eating disorder that a registered mental health nurse would do, or is it quite similar in terms of mental health? I would say that the, the base the basics are similar, you know, because um, you, you you're seeing uh, what what prob- what problems they have, um, trying to meet those the best you can. So I would say that it's similar, but in terms of in somebody with an eating disorder in particular, um, again, it's actually, it's, it's very individual is what I'd say, mm-hmm. um, because obviously every person with an eating disorder, their needs are going to be slightly different. Um, I mean, I've worked in specialist eating disorder hospitals, and I would say every, everything that we do for every patient is like, physical observations, um, care plans tailored to them um, and sort of meetings that, that we have, um, CPA meetings and whatnot. So every patient will have similar things, but it's very um, difficult to say what I would do because obviously each patient will be different. Um, but but that that's how I would do it anyway. I know it, it depends, I think, and I think we spoke about this before, the the knowledge that you have of eating disorders. Um, some nurses may not have as much knowledge and, you know, that's not their fault. Um, obviously, I have more knowledge because of my own experience. Um, but I feel like because I have that experience, I um, might just instinctively know a few more things than maybe somebody that that hasn't worked with eating disorders as much. Um, so it's quite difficult to say um, what what I would do on on a, on a day to day basis because and as I'm sure every nurse will every nurse will know every day is different <laughs> at a hospital. You know everything can be going smoothly and then suddenly something happens. <laughs> uh, so uh, you know it keeps you on your toes, but but. I definitely think that um, there is room for improvement in in knowledge around eating disorders um, for nurses in general. Uh, Yeah, yeah, definitely. So I guess um, going back to what you were saying about like your instinctive knowledge, obviously that's fantastic that you have that knowledge, but equally I don't think that should be relied upon in order for somebody to be getting the right sort of treatment, um, you know, for, for a nurse to have their own experience and I have yeah. heard it in the past where uh we're speaking to mental health nurses mm. and they'd say oh my supervisor always called me in when we had an eating sort of patient because they knew I had lived experience which mm. again you know it makes sense because you've got that lived experience but I think that's quite a dangerous so, yeah it's not the most yeah. um uh what's the word uh evidence-based Course, because yeah. I, you know you have your own experience ultimately like yeah. you said everybody's different yeah, um, yeah so when you're training to be a mental health nurse is there any training regarding eating disorders again a, a tricky one because i've spoken to different nurses which some have had more training than others my training in particular it was very minimal um unfortunately in in my opinion i think that there should have been more and we the training that was given was more targeted towards um, adolescents, young people. So we didn't do any training on adults. Um, and obviously, I know that, you know, it's very important with, with children. And that's usually when the onset is. But obviously, that's just 
you know, it's a blanket statement, really. You know, like not everybody will um, develop an eating disorder in at, at a young age. You can get it at any age. Um, so I do feel that there is room for improvement with the training um, and the training that we did get. Um, I, I don't want to like um, shoot it down or anything because I did get good training. But in terms of eating disorders, the training I did get, it was like um, a few hours, you could say, really, out of the two years that I trained for, um, speaking about eating disorders and, 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 and mainly anorexia, really, you know, not touching on anything else apart from that. Um, so as somebody going in with kind of no knowledge, um, I, I think that it's very limited what, what, what you are um, taught, uh, in, in my opinion. But, but no, absolutely, you can't just rely on personal experience because... Again, I, I know I've said it probably about five times now, but ev everybody is different. It, it's true, isn't it? Like everybody is different. And just because you've been through something doesn't mean you know everything about it. And and, and absolutely not. Even when um, I was working as a mental health nurse in the um, like eating disorder hospitals, that I did come across things which I, I didn't, I wasn't as knowledgeable about, you know, I, and I had to ask, you know, and it, so it's, it doesn't sort of give you the right to be like, oh, well, I know everything and yeah, I can help this person because I've been through it, blah, blah, blah. Um, yeah. I think it's useful to a certain extent, but like you say, the, the evidence base has to come first. Um, yeah. and, I, and I just feel like it would be useful if there was more of that for mm. For, for nurses um, and I think that from speaking to to the people I train with and my, and my friends I, they want to know more as well um, because it's such a it's such a delicate topic and they don't want to say anything wrong or, or and they don't want to make mistakes and I feel like th there's a need and there's a want for it so hopefully that that will be listened to and in the future more training given yeah absolutely yeah um i think you're totally right i think the one thing that i found when i did my master's dissertation um was that people like the nurses did really want more information because mm. like you say it is a delicate com um, topic and people don't want to say the wrong thing so they end up not saying anything at all yeah. which can actually yeah. be worse than absolutely. potentially saying something out of line yeah um but e equally um, I think it's so important for people to be aware of because I mean the fact that you have a couple of hours and you're two years training really shocks me um my mm. my friend that I mentioned before she's actually she actually had no training on eating disorders for her mm. and I just thought you know we know so much that eating disorders are a physical as well as a mental health yes. problem but so many people that will go to a mental health ward could you know, comorbidities and eating disorders are so common. Yeah. Um, and that's where I think, because a lot of people will say, um, I've heard it in the past, you know, oh, well, it's only important really to know about anorexia because people don't really get um, sent to hospital for bulimia or binge eating disorder. And it, it, I don't think that's right. It, no. You know, maybe it is more common, but you could still present with somebody with binge eating disorder or bulimia. Absolutely, um, yeah. But equally, if, if somebody's, got a comorbidity um yeah. you know, maybe they have schizophrenia or depression and that's what yeah. they have been sent to the hospital for and then they're also experiencing binge eating sort of bulimia whatever yeah. 
and you're not able to recognize that that's going to be so damaging like yeah. I've heard people in the past say oh I went into hospital and I was on a general ward and you know I just didn't eat for a week because nobody asked me to eat and yeah. you know I think maybe nowadays anorexia might be picked up a little bit better I don't know but I feel like bulimia binge eating disorder you could very easily get away with things like sneaking off to the toilet after a meal yeah. to to engage in purging behaviors or you know whatever that might be so I think the experience of going into hospital could actually be quite damaging if that information isn't there yeah and I think it also um stops people from reaching out for help as well because um a lot of the time people might think that they might have tried before and maybe uh they might have not been taken seriously or they might have been given unhelpful advice so i think that it it, it would definitely benefit everybody just just for more training in general about about all eating disorders I've spoken to some people that, you know, they've been to the doctors. I mean, this is a classic one. I'm sure you've heard this, but, you know, they've been to the doctors and, and, and want, wanting help with the eating disorder and they've been turned away because they're not low enough in weight um, or they're not doing as much behaviours as they would think that they should be doing. And I just feel like it's just sending people home to get worse, to then go back when they're at death's door. Um, so I just feel like the more information we know, the, the, the better, really. It can't, it can't do any more harm than it's doing now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I suppose if somebody's listening and they are um, a mental health nurse and they do want to know a bit more, do you have any tips of, of things that, you know, might be indicators for you or things that you might look out for if either somebody is on your ward with an eating disorder or you know they're coming with something else but you just keep an eye out just to make sure that they've not got an eating disorder yeah yeah that's that's a really good question um i would say maybe look at um if you notice how much time they're obsessing about food um are they like taking a really long time to make decisions around food are they um maybe eating their food in a disordered way that, that maybe you'd think hmm, that's that's a bit strange. Um, are they disappearing at certain times of the day um, consecutively? You know, it's it's like a set time because that's usually quite a, um, a a common thing with eating disorders, like routine and set times that they do certain things. Um, so you know, just keep an eye: is this happening? Um, is it happening every day at the same time? They disappear or or do something in particular um yeah i i think just looking out for things which just seem out of the ordinary really um I, and 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 maybe monitoring their intake around food are they eating quite a lot less than you'd think or are they eating large amounts maybe at, at certain times you know where they're not eating throughout the day but then in the evening are they wanting and asking for 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 a lot um yeah yeah and, and may, maybe are they wearing certain clothes are, are they trying to hide maybe their body um with with bigger uh, baggier clothes all the time um are, are they losing weight if, if you're monitoring the weight that there's, there's so many things that, that you could easily pick on uh, pick up on should i say um 
if 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 you if you just know if if because it's difficult because if somebody somebody that might not be as well informed about eating disorders sees somebody eating and thinks oh well, they're okay you know they're eating that's okay um you know they don't have an eating disorder you know they're they're looking um in their mind they'll be like looking for well if they're not eating full stop and yeah that, that would be a sign that would be a very obvious sign but but it's not always as um as blatant as that um um or may, maybe also they could be really um fussy around food or maybe saying that they only this only that or i, I can't eat this because i've got an excuses for everything under the sun um so I, I do think there's a, there's a lot of way if, if you think about it that, that, that there is a lot of ways but maybe I, I understand why people are a bit hesitant to maybe go down that road if they're not sure um but you know I, i'd always say just err on the side of caution you know you'd you'd rather um ask ask them or, or ask somebody else that then let them go and then they get worse um you know Obviously, as we know, precaution—you know—it's better than cure. Really, you know, if you can if you can try and stop somebody in the tracks, you know, that's that's there's quite good evidence towards that. You know, the sooner you get things, um, sort of get help, um, the sooner things might get better. Obviously, I can't say that for everybody, but there is that statistic out there: the sooner you get help, yeah, 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 absolutely. I think you've given such good. Um good examples there and also you know when somebody's in hospital you can have eyes on them a, a lot of the time and yeah. so those behaviors could be picked up but I guess one thing I wanted to ask um because this is a difficulty that I brought up in my dissertation as well is mm. the aspect of a handover um because obviously you know if if you've got somebody who has maybe not eaten all day and then in the evening they're eating loads you as a nurse will go home and you'll change over shift. So, you know, is there a process that you can record things like that? I suppose you all have to be on the same page. So it, that, again, would rely on everybody knowing the signs of an eating disorder rather than just specific individuals in the team um, and everybody being quite on the ball about that um, rather than some people thinking, oh, yeah, I'm going to recognise those signs and other people just kind yeah. of turning a blind eye to it. Yeah, yeah. So... So it, where, where I've worked, um, you, you document everything. You know, if mm -hmm. you don't document it, it didn't happen. So right. um, absolutely everything is documented. And then in the handover process, what, what I do is I, everybody might do it a little bit different, but I also used to uh, go in with my own notes to hand over um, and, and read off those. But also the notes would be documented on the system that we all work off as well. So if everybody's doing what they should be um it, it should look all in chronological order you know you'd have like your your early shift notes your afternoon shift notes your night shift notes so every nurse that comes onto shift can have access to to ev every every um, documentation that's been put on for throughout throughout the day so fingers crossed that should be what people are doing across the board um obviously i know things happen and and you you get busy and you might forget this that and the other but as long as you just even just a quick sentence as long as you just document it somewhere um and in the actual handover even if you can't say all of the information you can say look i've documented it on please if, read up on it if 
you know, if you want to know more information, just look at the system. Because um, obviously, I know in handover, that that time is quite short um, for, for some places, so you can't get everything in. Um, but, but yeah, don't, don't, I'm sure every nurse that's out there, if, if they're listening, they'll know that you've got to document everything to your life, <laughs> really. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. No, I think that's really good. And just a really good thing to sort of reinstate, you know, everybody needs to be on that same page and making sure that things are recorded. Particularly, I think if somebody's not in for an eating disorder, just really focusing, you know, if someone does start to notice those signs, keeping an eye on it together. Yeah, everything. Um, So how did your experience get you to where you are today as a mental health nurse? Yeah, so... um... So I have a master's in, in mental health nursing. Um, I, I did my undergraduate degree in acting, actually. <laughs> um, so it's a little bit different. But um, so just in, in terms of my eating disorder experience. So um, when I was, I, I'm, I'm 30 now um, and I was diagnosed when I was 13. Um, I, I was in about year nine, I think. Um, so long ago now. <laughs> Um, and I, I was just sort of struggling um, with, with eating. I went to the doctors. You know, again, a lot, of, a lot of people have this experience. You know, the parents take them to the doctors. Um, and, you know, but be, before you know it, things happen so quickly, I find, with eating disorders. You know, it can just, you can just go from A to B in a few months. Um, and, but before I knew it, I was um, in an inpatient um, facility um, I've ne- I'd never been away from my family before like that. So it was it was all really new and scary. Um, and then I would say from the ages of 13 um, to around 16, 17, um, I had a few more stays in inpatient. So I, th- I think I had about three in total in my teenage years. Um, and, and then when I got to about the age of 18, um, I really just started to, something just hit me in my head, like, not literally, but something just like, I was just like, I can't, I can't just keep doing this with my life. You know, I, 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 I was just getting sick and tired of the eating disorder. I, I started to see, cause I started um, to go to college at this age and I started to see like a bit more of independence, a bit more of life. Um, and I was just like, I, th- I think I might want to try that. Um, cause for so long, I'd just been in my own, like from 13 to, to 17, I just, my anorexia came before absolutely everything. And I just, you know, my, my mum and dad were basically the ones keeping me alive. Um, and I just had no interest in getting better at all. Um, but like I say, as soon as I kind of got to an age where I was starting to be an adult, I was like, Hmm, that looks that looks a bit better than what I'm doing right now. <laughs> Maybe I should give that a go. Um, and, and slowly, um, slowly, slowly, um, it, it, through, throughout my 20s, I, I did have my ups and downs still. But um, thankfully, like I say, at 18, I, ne- I never had had to go back in inpatient at all. Um, I think I was done with outpatient services in my mid, mid-20s, maybe about t- 23 or 4. Um, so and ever since then, um, I went on to uni. Like I say, I did my undergraduate degree um, in acting, 
um, because that was something that because people say, oh, why did you do acting? You know, and and that was something that um, really helped me um, kind of move away from my eating disorder because it was something that I enjoyed. Um, and it was like an, a bit of a, an escape, really, because obviously when, when you're acting, you're, you're doing different characters and whatnot. Um, so I really, I, I don't know if in my head, if I ever thought, oh, I want to do this because I want to be a famous actor. I think I just did it because it was something I enjoyed. And for so long in my life, I'd had so many years where I just didn't have any enjoyment. Um, so if anything, that sort of... Um, was the hook to getting my life back really uh, doing something I enjoyed and being more independent um and then yeah so in, in terms of um becoming a, a mental health nurse I started to do a few jobs um that were like support worker jobs um and I was like I wonder if I can actually because I didn't think I would be able to with my undergraduate degree um I wonder if I'd able to do nursing and I inquired and, and, and I would you know with, with with my previous jobs and and my own experience I think that really benefited to it in terms of um my eating disorder I actually at one part I did miss out I think I've told you Hannah in the past that one of my first jobs of nursing was in a hospital that I was a patient in um well I think when I was about um, 16 I, I, I was I was in that inpatient place and, and when I became a nurse my first job was going back there working as a nurse so that was really um, weird basically <laughs> yeah yeah that that was that was strange but good it, it was really good because I wanted to to go back to see if I could help and make a difference and whatnot and um, I think it's very I think that was a big goal that I had. <laughs> I can't change the world overnight. Um, but it was actually quite, um, looking back, it was quite a big achievement, really. Um, because sometimes I just catch myself thinking, I can remember when I was sat on that chair, like as a patient, and now I'm, you know, like on the other side. Um, yeah, that was a bit surreal. Um, yeah. <laughs> Was it difficult to go back or was it just like, oh, my God, Lucy, like you've done this, you you know, you're you've worked so hard to recover that you're now giving back to other people? It it was it was a little bit of a mixture, if I'm honest. Um, mm -hmm. I'd have moments where I was like, oh, my God, like this is this is what I wanted to do. You know, I'm, I'm back where I was because, you know, that's why I went into doing this job. I wanted to help people with eating disorders. Um, so, you know, for it to be my first job, I think it was like, this is, this is it. This is what you were doing it for. Um, but then I think at moments I did have a few, a few times where I was a bit like, well, you know, like um, I'm, I don't know if this should have been my first job. Mm -hmm. um, it was a bit overwhelming. Um, and I think, um, I think I went in with really high expectations for myself, really. I think I went in thinking, right, I, I can do this. I can do that. I, I want to do this. I want to do that. And unfortunately, I couldn't do that. You know, no, nobody can do that. Nobody can walk into a hospital and, and be like, oh, I'm going to help everybody, you know, like that's, it's great to have that attitude. But um, I think I set my bar a little bit too high and I was like, right, you need to, 
maybe just like take a step back, Lucy, and um, maybe just work on yourself as a nurse first before you you take on the world. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that's yeah. a very. Uh, I, I don't know whether it's just people with eating disorders or whether people that have been through something in general that then go into mm. it themselves. But as a community of people, I have noticed we are so bloody caring and want to yeah. help people so much. Um, but something I wanted to ask you because within that, I think often, and I'm not saying this is what you were doing in the slightest. I want to know how you mm. avoided this. Um, I think because I know this is what I do sometimes yeah. during the podcast is I give so much to other people and yeah. it's almost a way of distracting because I'm not helping myself yeah. and I can imagine that going into that job you know one it's a new job but also it's something that you really wanted to do when you know after your own experience yeah. Yeah. so how did you make sure that not only were you you know doing good in your job and, and looking after people how did you make sure that you carried on looking after yourself as well because it is potentially going to be an environment that is quite triggering especially when you're yeah. in hospital because people are probably going to be more severe than let's say yeah. you know if you were in a an outpatient unit it's not always the case but mm. um yeah 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 no absolutely it's um I always say to, to every nurse you've got to put your own oxygen mask on first to be able to help other people um and looking back now i don't i don't regret it um but but i do think that maybe i should have maybe not gone into that as my first job mm. um i think what i did to, to help myself was obviously there was there was some staff there that um were there when i was a patient so obviously they they knew me um and they were there to talk to um so i think that that was that was useful um, because they knew about me um, rather than me having to tell them from scratch um, yeah. about my experience. They sort of knew already. Um, and, I mean, having a, having a supportive environment around you, like my parents, um, like, you know, they, they've always been there for me um, and they were there to talk to um, when whenever I was sort of maybe having a bad day and thinking, oh, you know, I don't know if I should be doing this. You know, they they were always sort of supporting me in whatever decision I made. Um, so I think it's good to have, um, when you're working in such um, a stressful environment as, as a hospital, I think it's good to have support in your job as in your co-workers, but then also support outside as well, because, mm. um, I mean, I, at, at the time I lived on my own. And um, so when I'd come home, it, 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 sometimes it was difficult mm -hmm. um, because I'd have nobody sort of there to speak to, but I, but I knew that I had like family on the end of the phone. Um, so I just think it's useful for people to be there for you in, in whatever way, you know, if they're there, physically or, or on the phone I just think it's useful for people to know that you know if, if you do need to speak then you've got somebody there because if I didn't have them I think it, it could have been very different um because um you know you can just let your mind wander and you can just be like what am I doing you know and it just gets you down and also what I forgot to mention and I think this was a very big thing it was during um covid and lockdown oh it was in yeah. it was in um 2020 and i think that made everything 10 times worse um because obviously you 
communicate. I mean, I don't want to go down the whole COVID story route, but obviously, <laughs> like, you know, you had um, limited access to people, didn't you? You were in bubbles and all that. I mean, it's, it's giving me palpitations thinking about it. <laughs> yeah, so it, it was difficult to communicate to people full stop, let alone, you know. Um, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, just on a normal um, basis, yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, starting that in COVID must have been really tough. And, and what you were saying there about, like, you know, um, being on your own and not having anybody, mm. sometimes feeling maybe like you don't have anyone to talk to, I can imagine yeah. that would have been a perfect environment for an eating sort of to pop Absolutely. up and say, I can be there for you. Yeah. And when, you know, you've been in that environment all day, um, that was that was one of the reasons, unfortunately, I had to leave working in eating disorders was because mm. the only conversations I was having was about food and body. Yeah. And then I was in um, COVID as well. So, you know, then you don't have that space to sort of, you know, yeah. leave the conversation. For me, I was working from home, so I didn't have that chance to sort of leave the yeah. conversation at work or discuss it with anybody. Yeah. Um so in terms of, I mean, I, I guess that's quite a difficult challenge itself, but it sounds like you've got a really good support network, both at work and then at home as well. I think that's really important. But what would you say are some other challenges that mental health nurses face, I guess, in particular with eating disorders? But if you want to do it generally for mental health, I can imagine there's um, something that you could discuss there as well. Yeah, I, um, I mean... I just want to say first, like, I think nurses do a great job, whatever. I mean, I know I know you know that, and I, and yes. I know most that, people I wasn't know like, that. what's the challenge no, in no, no. of nurses that we have? That is not what no. I No, mean, no, so. no, I, no, I know, I know <laughs> that, I know that. But I, I, I wanted to make sure I wasn't yeah. coming across like, oh, some <laughs> no, nurses are sure. just, you know. But no, 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 absolutely. Because, you know, you, you could apply it to something that I don't know much about, you know, in nursing. There's, you can't know everything, can you? So... But, but no, and I think um, that's a really important thing to highlight is that, yeah. you know, you can't know everything about everything. No. Um, but it's, I think, having a a general awareness. And yeah. sorry that I interrupted you, but um, right. one thing that I did on, again, on my dissertation was we were discussing having a general training course for everybody. And then anybody that was interested could go on to a level two. And then they would be sort of the, um, you know, I guess, knowledgeable person about eating disorders so if someone presented with certain symptoms you'd go to them yeah. and say I've got this patient and I think that they may be presenting with eating disorder symptoms can you mm, have a look at them good. rather than everybody needing to know that's because good like you say they, yeah. there should be a specialist sort of there every you know maybe you have different categories or whatever yeah. um because people can't know everything about everything that's absolutely. a really unrealistic yeah. expectation yeah, no, absolutely. No, that'd be a really good way, actually, just having like a, a lead person that you know mm. is knowledgeable in, in this area, in that area, and you go to. Uh, no, I think that, that's a good idea. That's a really good idea. Um, I feel like I feel like a lot still needs to be done. I know we've kind of mentioned it earlier, but a lot still needs to be done on like stereotypes for eating disorders um, I feel like a lot of people, they're like, oh, yeah, I'd be able to spot an eating disorder. Yeah, it'd be somebody really, really skinny, um, probably a teenager. And it's just like, let's just broaden our, you know, <laughs> expectations of this. Um, but so I feel like um, knowledge around um, eating disorders as a mental illness rather than what a lot of people see as like a weight illness, should I say, um 
I feel like there's a there's a lot of work that still needs to be done. I think it's getting better. Um, mm. I think it's slowly getting better, but um, I, I just think that especially maybe like GPs and, and things need need. To, I'm sure there's some great GPs that, that already know this, but mm. just in general, like I say, I've heard it so many times about people getting turned away um, because of their weight and whatnot. But in terms of nurses. That, that still could be something because I know some people like you go to your practice nurse, don't you, sometimes instead of your doctor. Um, and, you know, the first thing that they do is weigh you. Um, and also ju just talking about weighing you at, at like GPs and, and things like that. Also knowing to not just be like shouting it out to you um, and maybe saying like, oh, do you want to go on backwards or do you want to know it? You know, I, I feel like they should say that to everybody, really, you know, like, yeah. do you want to know your weight? You know, because you don't um, need to not necessarily know it. No. So I feel like the whole issue around weight, I think, needs mm. to be addressed. Um, um, and maybe things like more knowledge about just an individual approach to, to eating disorders instead of, again, the, the, this very, um, I don't really know where it came from. It's just kind of like TV and media, but th th there's like certain things that people think you have to have for an eating disorder. Like like I say, one of them's all really, really thin. You know, one of them is maybe uh, just eating vegetables or something. Do you know what I mean? I, I feel like we need to broaden our knowledge about eating disorders. That they, they can appear to be quite normal, maybe to some people. You know, you might not spot it. You might think, oh, they're they're doing all right, but actually inside they're really suffering. Um, and that's difficult. You know, it, I, it, it's very easy for me to say what I think should. Um, happen and, and what we should have knowledge on but it, it i don't i don't have the answer in terms of how we de deliver that knowledge because it's it's very it's a, it's a difficult um it's a difficult illness to teach about you know because there's there is so many different variations that the illness can can present as um, and different behaviors and different uh, all sorts but i just feel like maybe if we just think a little bit more out the box should i say when we when we're thinking about eating disorders and maybe be more aware that it can be in all ages all genders um all shapes and sizes as well um so i think that's probably my number one really you know just more knowledge and getting rid of stigmas really because they're not useful to anybody really in my well opinion. no exactly yeah. yeah, yeah. I think the stigmas really limit the kind of quality of yeah. um, treatment that you can provide. Mm. Um, and I, I think one thing that I definitely noticed when I was doing the masters again was just people being quite finding it quite difficult working with somebody with an eating disorder. And I don't want yeah. this to come across the wrong way, but often when I mean I guess this maybe is less so in mental health but this may be more generalized nursing often when a patient comes into hospital they want your help because they want to get better but something mm. that the nurses I worked with spoke about was that they found it very challenging because one the eating disorder was very secretive it was very manipulative um and again I'm talking about th this being the eating disorder not the person I'm very yeah yeah of course the person is 
um, being ruled by their eating disorder, but it, it does take over you as a person. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, you're often when your food's brought to you, you're not going to be grateful. You're not going to probably say thank you for your food when you're really yeah. in the depth of it, because at the end of the day, the last thing you want to do is eat. And mm. I think that was one thing that they said was a real big challenge. And also understanding your part in their journey. I think maybe not all the time, but maybe sometimes when you see somebody in hospital, um, you might see them for a longer period of time and get to see them recover maybe more than you do from an eating disorder. But when you're mm. in eating disorder recovery, the hospital admission is often the real start of your journey. Yeah. Um, and you're never really going to probably see somebody get to that recovered position. So actually yeah. kind of understanding your your role in their recovery or where yeah. you fit into their recovery they said yeah. was was a real challenge and just balancing that sort of secretive and manipulative um those behaviors you know i've had people in the past say you know people wearing dressing gowns when they're being weighed um, yeah. and just making sure that weigh-ins are you know in you know very thin pajamas so that nothing can yeah. be hidden not yeah. letting people go away like you said after after meals and yeah. you know not walking to the further away bathroom rather than going to the one yeah. closer it's it's like you said earlier it's very difficult to get your head around those sorts of things if you've not had an eating disorder but they're Mm. the sorts of things that I don't think are educated about but are really important in helping somebody which I think that's a big challenge yeah yeah I think those are the things that that that, like you say it's um you're going to have knowledge on if if you've been through it they're the things that are difficult to teach people um Mm they don't they don't teach them at all really you know um but it's yeah it's it's those little things that what you what i'm trying to say here is when you were saying about the the, um the part that a nurse might play in somebody's um recovery journey um, I, th- I think is 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 really really good, really important what you said there. Because if if I look at my journey, for example, I had a lot of nurses input, um, and at that time, um, it, it might look to them like, oh, I didn't help Lucy very much at all. Um, but it, it's because the, the only person that can really get yourself better is yourself. So it's not like their work was was useless. It was just that, you know, they was with me for a very, very short space of time. Um, And by the time I realised I want to get better, you know, they weren't in, they weren't part of my treatment, but it's still valuable. Um, I'd I'd say to nurses, you know, even if you can't see any progress being made, um, it doesn't mean what you're doing is not valuable because that person might look back in years and be like, oh, yeah, I remember when that nurse said to me, blah, blah, blah. And then they might implement it in their life years later. Um, so it, it's those little things um, that little things really do make a difference. And they stick with people. They stick with I can think of loads of examples of what nurses have said to me. Some some good, not so good, unfortunately. Um, but but the good ones, you know, I do remember, you know, I I, I do remember things that that were helpful to me um and at the time i was like oh i don't want to listen to that you know whatever you know but now you know i still remember it so it's still part of my journey it's just be it's like a delayed effect (laughs) yeah 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 so i'd say to nurses like you know 
don't be disheartened um, because it, it, it is valuable what you're saying, even if the person doesn't want to hear it at that, at that very moment. Like you say, I, f I feel like eating disorders are one of the only illnesses where the person doesn't want to get better. Um, yeah. Yeah. And that is a real challenge. I'm not going to lie. It is. Yeah. I often think that in that I actually had that with my mum this weekend. My mum said mm. something and I exploded and I was like, I cannot believe you've just said that. Like, mm. how insensitive, blah, blah, blah. I'm so angry at you. And you know what? It's probably the thing that's had the most impact in, in this part of my recovery because it was real. And I yeah. often think that about, you know, things that maybe doctors or clinicians that I've worked with in the past that I've said and I'm like how dare you say that and then yeah. actually you know a few months or a few years down the line you're like god that's so nice and at yeah. the time it's really horrible for them because they might get the backlash of that but I think often the the biggest impacts that you have are going to upset the eating disorder so I think that's another thing for nurses just to recognize is that you're probably not going to be their favorite person no. and if you are their favorite person I'm that's, not so sure yeah. that it's a good sign yeah um yeah no absolutely absolutely yeah because um yeah ev you you've you've got to remember i think nurses that that maybe aren't so up to scratch with eating disorders you've got to remember that um it, it's like two different people um and you know the you, you're helping the actual person not not the eating disorder and sometimes it, it might feel like you're getting nowhere but that person in there will will be listening and will take that on board even if they're thinking that they're not at that very moment it, it, it is so just just keep doing it you know if, if you think it's not working just just keep doing it just keep just keep at it yeah yeah yeah, yeah. amazing well thank you so much lucy i think this podcast episode with your experience as a mental health nurse and your personal experience, it's going to be so useful and not just for mental health nurse. I think anybody sort of working in that sort of setting will really, really appreciate that. And I know that you've been doing quite a lot of work in terms of this sort of thing. So if people want to find out more about you or reach out for, you know, if they want some advice or support, is there anywhere that they can contact you? Yeah, of course. So I've, I've set up like a little um, sort of rec recovery account um, where it's, you know i want to give people advice so so yeah it's um lv recovery um, and that is for instagram and also twitter um so if anybody does want any education or just want to speak or just anything you know i i love speaking to people again this is why i this is why i do this so um if i can help you know that's that's my core helping people so yeah absolutely thank you for that brilliant well, thank you very much, Lucy. It's been a pleasure. That's okay. Thank you very much for having me. If you enjoyed listening today, you won't want to miss next week's episode, so be sure to subscribe. Eating disorders are crippling illnesses, but with the right support, they can be recovered from. We really hope you enjoyed this episode, but if you require more support right now, please look into charities such as First Steps and Beat for support or talk to someone you trust.